Hi, I'm Tony Holbein. This is the Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to discuss one thing to scale, how the whole playing field really looks like for B2B channels, why some of them have a specific ceiling attached, and really how to not give up too early. Okay. Are we actually going to have one of those clap things? Well, I actually think we should. I, I really considered it. Uh, how, how fun will that be? <laughs> episode number three. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you did a LinkedIn post recently there was a really good discussion in there it really dealt with the fact that we're inundated with things we can do to grow mm-hmm. right there's growth hacking SEO now there's product-led growth there's all these wonderful things that a company can do in order to grow and I think we got maybe stuck in the details of what those things are and what should be on the list. The point I got away from it was, well, you really should find one thing, right? Um, so you can scale. Mm-hmm. Why, why is this conversation so important? Yeah. The reason why it's important is, and this is predominantly for... I feel organizations that are below 10 million AR, euros AR. And the reason is that, you know, every organization is a little bit different, but there's a process leading up to product market fit. And you could say that is a million euro AR. And then there's a process that goes from product market fit to go to market fit, which is from one to 10 million. Yeah. And then obviously kind of the scale continues and there's some other pieces to it. The reason why it's important is you will kind of figure out your way to get to the million. Um, If you have a product that has enough market and so forth, founder-led sales, you will get to a million somehow. Or you have something on your website and there's some organic inbound and that gets you to a million. But really what those VCs want after that is um, triple, 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 double, double. (laughs) Um, What is that? So that really is something that I think some VCs defined as the unicorn path. And maybe this is now a couple of years ago, and I think it started all with triple, triple, and then three times double, and then they flipped around. But really what it means is, uh, okay, now you hit one million, uh, and from now on, you need to triple at least twice, and then double three times. Or, in what I said before, you need to triple three times, and then double twice. Hmm. So, you know, tripling one, you go from one to three, then you go from three to nine, then you go from nine to 27, then you go from 27 to 50-ish, and then you go from 50-ish to 100. Unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> easy, that's, easy. That's, 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 that's the idea. So what all of these investors are gonna be looking for is once you hit the million mark is, okay, how can you grow according to that path? Yeah. That will be their question. And The problem that that poses for you is that whatever you use to get into the 1 million, it will probably not scale to get you to three and nine in in those next two years. Yeah. So you really need to find something else that you can scale, a channel that you can scale. And this go to market fit area is, you know, usually kind of a squiggly line because it, it is a bit difficult. You will try things, you will face it with some things, but the, the problem is, and this is my belief, you will need to find one freaking channel that works for you. Hmm. And if you don't find that, 
it will be close to impossible to get to the 10 million in this case, right? I think my post was talking about the four predominant ones that I'm seeing and that got some flack because, hey, you know, there's those five others and blah, blah, blah. Um, but to your point, that's not really what this is about. It's about find one. I don't care which one, but you need to find one that you can scale. Yeah. So the question is, how how do you actually do that, right? I think quite often what can happen is you get stuck in this mode where you need to be able to almost predict when uh, and how are you then going to scale a certain channel just to even justify doing it or mm -hmm. getting the budget necessary, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's like one axis of the problem. How do you go about just starting to test things out. Yeah. So first of all, at that point, it's not really a how do I get the budget conversation because it's really the founding team and a couple of senior folks that are trying to figure this out. And budget is limitless as long as you have money in the bank account, right? Mm -hmm. It's really not the typical VP marketing to CEO conversation, hey, can I have budget for something, right? So kind of point mm -hmm. number one. I think the, the other thing then is really, and there's some really cool frameworks out there that you can use. And I'm not talking about the incrementality and figuring it out, and that's not my thing. But uh, uh, Brian Balfour, uh, previously I think it was at HubSpot, has uh, basically put out a couple of frameworks. And some of those build on other people's frameworks, and I don't know all of those names. But one of the things that he's talking about is the CAC to ACV balance. So what does that mean? Customer acquisition cost to average contract value balance, right? And he basically plots it out on a, on a scale. He says, if your ACV, so average contract value is small or zero, that limits you in the kinds of channels you can activate in order to scale that thing. If it's zero, you probably are completely living off organic and virality and some of these things. How to create that? I don't know, mm. but th those are the only channels you have available. In contrast, you can't use an enterprise salesperson to sell something completely free. And now someone will say, well, wait a minute, <laughs> that's going to be, you know. But generally speaking, that's the idea, right? And as you progress on that scale, you can use more and more expensive channels to, to achieve that. And let's just say we only talk about the B2B SaaS, north of 6,000 euros a year, average contract values here, right? Kind of zeroing in on this. So what does that mean? It means you can use online advertisement, so ads through your normal channels of Google search, Facebook, and what have you. If you go a little bit further up, uh, nine to 10, depending on where you live and where, honestly, your SDR set, you can, uh, now I said it, you can use an outbound strategy. You mm -hmm. can use sales development reps to do kind of outbound calling and so forth. And if we can go further up, and this is then really the enterprise scale north of 50,000 euros uh, average contract value, then you suddenly have uh, very expensive enterprise reps with probably a pre and post sales engineering team, you know, that are flying to customers and so forth, right? Suddenly you can use all of those things. And what's really important is to scale something. And it's not only about the sustainability of it, but this is kind of your playing field now. Yeah. And uh, then you can choose what is in that playing field below you, but it's really difficult to choose something that is above you. There, there are like ways to stretch it a little bit. If you're like on four or five K and you want to use outbound, that can work, mm. but you won't be doing enterprise sales. So this kind of, I feel, you know, one of the first limitations really to overcome, what are, what are actually my options here, right? And then it's a, what do I believe works best with 
the bias I have and the, the buyer journey I have, right? And, and it's really difficult from an outside perspective to say, you know, check those three things and then you can do that. It's really difficult. But the key here is one of those things you need to get to a point where you can do them repeatedly. Or in other words, where you can scale them. Yeah. And on the example of outbound, that's why so many people are using it because it's so it's so repeatable, it's so scalable. There's no ceiling, there's no limit in, in, in many cases. Really you have, you know, a person that does outbound calls to someone, create an opportunity. Now what happened here, that someone that that person called, maybe they didn't even know you. So no no brand awareness. Maybe they didn't even know that they had the problem, no, no problem awareness. And obviously because they didn't know the problem, there was also no solution awareness, you know, solution awareness also not there. And that outbound call took that prospect all the way from complete, like, I don't have any clue about any of that stuff, mm. down on the funnel of, oh, maybe, maybe I need something, right? And it doesn't happen in one call, but that just tells you that the pool of people someone can call is massive, right? Yeah. And then how do you scale it? You have more outbound folks. It's not one. Just get some more chairs. It's, no, <laughs> literally, right? And headphones. Yeah. And, you know, sales <laughs> seats. Uh, but it's, it goes from one to 10 to 100 really, really quickly. And it's, yeah. you know, depending on your time, so your total address of market, it's almost infinite, right? Yeah. Um, and um, that is, for example, one channel that can be scaled and you can rely on it now. You can potentially rely on it later. And then what are channels with a ceiling? Just to kind of, you know, compare those two. And again, probably some Google Ads experts gonna you know disagree with me now, but Google Ads, Google Search, generally speaking, is a channel with a ceiling. Yeah, what does that mean? On a given day, on a given month, in your niche in B two B SaaS, uh, there will only be so many people that wake up one day and be like, "Oh, geez, I, I think I need a solution for this problem. Uh, let me Google it." <laughs> right? There's only going to be so many people any time that you know wake up and, and, and gonna do that and, and let's just say that amount is fixed right then what are they gonna do they're gonna go to google they're gonna see your logo and a couple of others and you will basically split those people that wake up on a, on a continuous basis and the tricky thing here is that in the beginning it looks awesome you had one million you are you know in an established market you create an, uh, a Google ad, someone clicks it and requests a demo and they say they're ready to buy and they're like, wow, more yeah. of that, please, dear CMO. And you do more of that. And uh, you know, for the first or two years or something like that, it will look like really significant until you realize that basically that channel in itself isn't growing. It's not growing. And what looked like a lot when you jump from one to three million doesn't look like a lot when you jump from three to nine million. Yeah. Uh, especially if your CFO, if your CFO just took the same ratios from last oh year, pulls it forward, and then says, "Well, you know, let's just let's just get more of that," yeah. without the understanding that wait a minute, in the market that we're operating, there are not more people waking up suddenly, and you know, ask for more, or competitors are disappearing. It's probably the opposite; they're yeah. kind of appearing more and more. So really, all of that stuff is pointing the complete other direction than what your CFO sees in last. Yeah, uh, last year's numbers, right? Yeah. So this is an example for a, a channel with a ceiling, as I see it. And I think I've been in those situations, and I think once you realize this channel has a ceiling, the job becomes scaling it, 
until you reach it. Yeah. And then you really need to start communicating because otherwise the spreadsheet magic with, you know, it's a marginal cost for a lead. It's going to really kill a lot of uh, teams. No, I was, I was, so I think you as a VP of marketing should probably communicate before you hit that ceiling. So I was, I was once joking, someone asked me, when do you, so I call it the Google wall. I don't know if this is still a cool name for that, but someone asked me, when do you know that you hit that, hit that wall, hit that ceiling? And I said, the first time we're going to fire you ahead of marketing. <laughs> that's, that's going to be the moment. And, and uh, uh, because, you know, the head of marketing didn't see it coming, potentially can't communicate outwards that this is going to happen, said yes to some targets that he or she maybe haven't even understood that they can't achieve them. And then basically anxiety sets in, nervousness, hair falls out, <laughs> where are those leads and suddenly you create a webinar in order to create leads somehow, right? The thing is also doing this takes time mm -hmm. and we've become wired with some of these channels you can use to think that you just put money on the table mm -hmm. and then it returns immediately. Yeah. And that is a huge fallacy and can also really cause a lot of trouble for a you. A thousand percent. And I think the, the only true way to approach a scalable channel is by thinking about how to get to people that are not yet solution or problem or brand away or anything like yeah. that. That is really the big question you need to ask yourself. How do I reach those folks? Mm. Uh, so again, we are in B2B SaaS. Really, we are in a niche period. If you, if you have hired, and this is sometimes also the reason, I hope I'm not getting too much off track, you know, right. but if you've hired a, a B2C CMO, that sold shoes before, he or she will basically laugh at you when you say Google has a ceiling. Because for those shoes, it doesn't have a ceiling, mm -hmm. right? You have six billion people or seven, I don't know where we're at right now. They uh, they know the concept of a shoe and you know when they're running out of one, ha, running out of one. You can always have more shoes. <laughs> no, but you, you, you know that you need another shoe, yeah. right? This whole solution problem, all of that stuff, awareness, it's all completely there. So it's basically an infinite pool to fish in on your current B2B SaaS solution that you have. I don't think that everyone knows all of that stuff, right? So really you need to figure out how do you talk to the 99% that don't know you or the problem or the solution in a repeatable manner, right? And again, I don't wanna to harp too much on it, but you know, an SDR outreach can help with that. But also, and those were some of my other examples, I think was uh, the Facebook network. Yeah. Right? Everyone keeps saying, well, Facebook doesn't work for me in B2B. And my reply to this, you know, in the beginning, I was one of those, by the way. But my reply by now is like, well, you just actually need to figure it out. You know, just saying it doesn't work for me just isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, Facebook or Meta or whatever, it's not just, you know, Facebook. It's also, you know, Instagram and a couple of others. Everyone obviously knows this. And and why, why does that work? Well, uh, you have a bunch of people on those assets, on those channels, on you know, on the Facebook app or the Instagram app, um, I would probably think also your buyers are sitting there and they're going there to be entertained, right? They're not going there to search something specific. Or request or, a demo. Or request a demo <laughs> or something like that. They're just going there, they're on there, right? Now you have an opportunity to get in front of those folks and you need to show them something that educates them. And this is kind of getting into the tactics here a little bit, but really at the end of the day, uh, the people that you will hit up there, 
they are part of the group of the ones that aren't yet aware of who you are, what you're solving, what your problem is, and so forth. So this is one way to tap into that, right? You can do the same on LinkedIn, obviously, mm. the same on YouTube, and so forth. But you need to find places to find them that are not, hey, I'm now kind of going to Google because I know I have a problem and so forth, because that, that number is going to be limited. And some folks might now bring up this whole attribution thing, but it's really, you know, once you really think about that, where, where, where are my buyers sitting when they aren't aware of me yet, suddenly out of home comes into focus. Uh, so out of home is, uh, you know, basically billboards and stuff like that. Print comes into focus again, right? Do they read newspaper and magazines? Yeah. Should we advertise there? Yeah. When I was working at uh, Plan Day and we were selling to hospitality, right? Hotels and restaurants and so forth. Where are all of those owners sitting? Maybe actually not even on Instagram. Maybe not even on Facebook. Maybe they listen to the radio. Maybe they watch TV, right? And all of us, you know, digital first folks, we kind of think about all of those channels as laughable. And, and maybe they are, but maybe they aren't for some of you. And, and then you should just make a conscious decision. Okay, you know, if, if this is where they are at, then I need to do something there in order to get to them. And if you then can, and you know, going back to the scalability, if you can start proving the cycle of we show something here, over time, uh, these people now are educated mm. and they wake up and you basically create demand. You know, it might look like more search searches happening and might also look like that uh, more people go to you directly and so forth. So it's a bit of this demand gen topic, right? Then you basically have a scalable process that you can try and pump in more money. And, yeah. and obviously all of those channels at some point probably will also reach a ceiling. Um, especially if you go for local radio stuff, for example. And again, that's why Instagram, Facebook is so popular because you can basically just say, hey, today let's do France mm. instead of Denmark or Germany, right? And that, that makes it so much easier and scalable, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of bias anyone carries when choosing these potential channels, mm. right? So you kind of said it, some will go, well, print, why even bother? We can't measure anything. Mm-hmm. But if the audience is there, you know, you can test it out and try it. The point is really that you should look at the playing field and the ceiling within that playing field, right? And, and just to repeat it one more time, it's not just that your audience is there. It needs to be the audience that doesn't know about the problem, the solution and you yet. Mm. If you define that, if you don't define that, then you will always end up with Google Ads, by the way. <laughs> so it really needs to be people that don't know the problem or the solution yet. Yeah. And so the, the thing is, some are going to sit and think now, well, we've tried these things, mm-hmm. right? And, and certainly I've been at the point where you've tested out things yourself and it failed mm-hmm. and you moved on. How persistent do you need to be? Because yeah. just because you do one billboard yeah. and it fails doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing to continue, Yeah. right? This is potentially the difficult part. I'm not sure where I'm pulling this number from. I think winning by design is kind of talking about some of these things, but you should be thinking of nine to 12 months for some of these motions to be proven, if you will. Hmm. I think you can see early signs that it's working or not working before that, but giving up before that and just moving on to the next thing, I think that might lead you astray. And also, by the way, 
there are not so many other options either. Right? You can't just hop from one option to the next and you know see what works. You need to really, really make sure out of the limited set of maybe five or six different channels that you can choose, really for for your business, that makes sense for your buyer and the ACV that you're asking for and all of that stuff. It's probably only going to be five to six options. You will need to make really sure that one of them isn't working before I move on to the next one. And that usually takes, yeah, it takes probably uh, the better part of a year. And then, of course, the issue is going to be we always want the results yesterday, mm-hmm. right? And it's that's that's where it gets really difficult to navigate. But in reality, most of the things, just from a marketing perspective, to build a podcast or blog, that will take almost a year because you need to figure out how do I, if you know nothing about it, by the mm-hmm. way, you need to learn copywriting, then you need to learn yeah. SEO, then you need the blog set up, figure out how to get that work, the, the distribution, mm-hmm. and, and even figure out the content you're producing, is it relevant to mm-hmm. the audience? And it does take time. And the saddest part that can happen for you is you invest time in actually learning, and then you abandon it, and then you can't use those learnings again, because you yep. said, well, you know what? We're not going to do Facebook ads because it's not working. We did one ad for a week and, uh, you know, we didn't get anything out of it. But that's where you need to continuously iterate and, and kind of learn. And I think it's the same with an SDR. Probably the, the if you don't have any SDRs today and you bring the first hire in to make the first few calls and you yourself have no clue, by the way, you might not be successful. But others are doing it for a, a thousand percent. So the that doesn't change between, let's say, marketing and sales. It's the same mm-hmm. the same thing at the end of the day. This SDR thing it will take you nine to 12 months before that really is humming along and before you are not ashamed of the payback that you're producing there. Yeah. You know? it, will, it will take some time. And, and it's also hard because you're going to have all these emotions, a part of you, right? Mm-hmm. Back to the bias. A lot of people are going to hear outbound and they're mm-hmm. going to go, why are we still doing it, yeah. right? So I don't like being called out cold outbound, mm-hmm. but does it mean it doesn't work? No. It does not mean it doesn't work. And I think that's where, you know, letting go of those emotions in order to pick that channel and actually test it out, that's going to be really, really important. Yeah. I think as a leader, the difficulty sometimes comes with sticking with it and having a good answer that doesn't affect your mental state. Whenever <laughs> someone is asking, where are we on this? Yeah. You know, have you have you seen any revenue yet? Are you sure it's working? Because the answer is no, I'm not sure it's working. I think it should be working, but abandoning it now also, you know, would be the wrong thing to do, right? Yeah. And and depending on where you are, actually no, it doesn't matter. You, you know, everyone always has a boss, right? You might be the VP uh, marketing VP sales and maybe it's your your C level, but even as a CEO you have the board, right? And they will ask the same question. Hmm. I think there's a lot of good stuff here to actually start trying out i almost want to end the episode now because you know you've got to be careful not just giving everything all the good stuff away right but i think it was good we're gonna call it a day it was another hot one in well not call it a day call it an episode i guess yes. <laughs> tony looking at the clock saying well the day is not over yet thanks so much for listening hope you enjoyed and thank you so much we'll see you again day.